Hi, this is Sonia. Um, on Saturday, I uploaded my very first blog to my website. Um, and then I suddenly realised that suffering with um, chronic fatigue syndrome and anybody else that suffers with uh, chronic illnesses sometimes find it really difficult to pick up a book and read. Um, so I decided that it might be a very good idea to do an audio format of the blog for anybody that just physically isn't able to enjoy any reading material at the moment and that you'll still be able to um, listen to what I have to say um, without having to strain yourself um, trying to concentrate on uh, the written text. So here goes, this is what um, I wrote in my first blog. Um, I have suffered from chronic fatigue syndrome or ME for the past nearly four years now. CFS has forced me to become what I call positively selfish. What I mean by this is I have had to concentrate on myself wholly and completely in order to restore some balance back into my life. Chronic fatigue left me unable to look after myself or my family and did mean that my husband had to give up work to look after us all. I found that one of the things that was causing me a great deal of suffering was my belief I had lost all control over anything in my life. Um, I had no clue what was going on back then or how to gain it back. This led uh, to an awful lot of anxiety um, and I developed agoraphobia um, on top of already what was a difficult time in my life. Um, over the last few years I have spent my time looking at all levels of my own personal self-care to improve my health and my well-being and get me somewhat back to what used to be my old life. Um, this hasn't been an easy journey as I know that many of you with a chronic illness can appreciate and understand but I've learned a lot along the way and I've learned what has worked for me and the stuff that really haven't been helpful at all. Um, one of the things I did find that helped me um, was meditating. Um, people had said to me about it lots and lots and lots and so I did decide to give it a go and I did find that it did help to just even momentarily give me a break from the constant traffic of thought going through my head of everything that was not going right in my life it just gave me it was able to calm me enough so that I could get a better perspective um, and helped me tune into the areas of my health that I really needed to look at and, and think, try to fix um, so that led me to completely changing my diet I largely expected um, or I largely accepted the symptoms um, of my chronic fatigue um, as just being you know part of my illness um, but being more mindful and practicing through meditating 
um, I realised that my tummy had never been very happy. I'd woke up um, every day with horrendous nausea and often spent um, the first few hours of the day trying to be sick. I felt like I had frequent upset tummies, sorry if that's too much information, and this would make my anxiety and panic attacks so much worse. Um, and after a lot of research, I decided that I'd eliminate gluten and dairy from my diet and see if this helped. And yep, it did really help a lot. Um, I've been gluten and dairy free for nearly a year now. Um, and my morning nausea and feeling sick or trying to be sick, um, it's completely gone. Um, and then other than when it's for us women, time of the month, um, I might occasionally have a little bit of a, an upset tummy, but I know that's part of, um, been having a regular time of the month. <laughs> Sorry again, if that's a bit too much information, um, uh, the other thing I noticed when I went gluten and dairy free is after a, a few months, my brain wasn't as foggy anymore. I know that this is something that um, people with com chronic fatigue um, and fibromyalgia um, can relate to this foggy head and not really being able to concentrate on anything. It just feel really quiet detached sometimes because you just have this really foggy feeling um that wasn't there anymore so as you can imagine I don't have any intentions of adding gluten and dairy back into my life I'm quite happy um with not having um these symptoms anymore um so at last I'd find something that was going right with my health which was amazing for me because after three and a half years of not knowing what to do and where to turn I'd found something that had actually started to work for me and this might not actually work for everybody that has a chronic illness because like with everything we're individuals and what works for me um, isn't necessarily going to work for another person but again it's one of those things that isn't going to hurt to try um, so I found it beneficial um, you might do too who knows um, so yeah anyway um, things were you know I found something at last that was helping with my health um, so I knew that I was on the right track and looking after myself and paying attention to um, my my needs for myself for a change was actually starting to do me some good. So I know that um, a lot of people think that, you know, just concentrating on yourself and only looking after yourself can be quite selfish you know I have a large family I have five children and a husband and you know what about their needs um surely it's my job that I should be putting them before myself etc etc and you know people like to make you feel guilty for trying to look after yourself and I did for years look after everybody but myself first um and this is what having 
a chronic illness has taught me. If you don't look after yourself first, you end up being no good to anyone else in the long term. I learned this the hard way. Um, my life was and still is all about my family. I have a large family um, and this means I was very, very busy. Even more so as my a few of my children have special needs and had health conditions. So this meant they was also under the hospital. So between school runs and hospital appointments and housework, I had a job at one point. Um, and then when I was at home, you then end up playing nurse and educator. You're the cook, you're the maid, you're the taxi driver, the referee between the fights and so on and so on and so on. Um, I never took any time out for myself. I was on the go for everyone else's needs 24-7. Don't get me wrong, I absolutely loved it being that way. I'm a control freak and... I'd much rather just get on and do it all for myself than risk handing it off to somebody else and then them doing it wrong or not doing it the way that I like it. Um, But looking back on that now, um, I can see what a massive mistake that was. Um, I lived in a constant state of stress. I didn't feel like it at the time. I just saw it as, um, you know, this is my life. Um, whatever crap life decided to throw at me, I would just get on with it and would go full steam ahead. Um, but living in a constant state of stress, um, and it was a high amount of stress over the years. So if, um, as in my future blogs, I will, um, and podcasts, I will obviously explain more about what's happened to me in my life but I have dealt with a a tremendous amount of stress Um, and it didn't do anything for my health. Um, I struggled to put on weight, I had bouts of anxiety, Um, my diet was shocking, I would skip breakfast, I'd maybe grab a sandwich and a packet crisp at lunchtime, I'd throw my dinner down myself while you know feeding another kid or trying to remember I needed to do something um, so I didn't sit and you know enjoy any of my meals I was constantly yep quickly get it down as quickly as possible because you've got things you need to be getting on with and do Um, I was a genius at multitasking Um, and I would survive on one small can of fizzy drink for the entire day Um, I realised now that this isn't clever, um, but I was young and thought I was invincible. Um, and, you know, my body was screaming at me at times um, to take notice of the fact that, um, you know, I, you know, you can't sustain that kind of lifestyle. Um, but I didn't pick up on the, the clues that at the time because I was so busy all the time. Um, I lived like this for 19 years before um, an untreated infection from a botched root canal treatment. I talked about it in my bio. Um, Mixed with my well-established poor quality of self-care and my busy, busy lifestyle, 
resulted in a very poorly, what I like to call, ME. Um, so they say hindsight is a wonderful thing. Um, what I've learned is that my body did over the years try and warn me that my everyone else first lifestyle wasn't doing me any good at all. Ending up with me with chronic fatigue syndrome. Um, and I believe that the chronic fatigue syndrome was my body's way of dealing with the abuse that he had endured in the 19 years. Um, by abuse, I just mean that I wasn't taking proper care of myself. I've never really been um, one for like drinking every weekend. I don't do drugs. I haven't done drugs. I don't even like taking paracetamol if I can avoid it. Um, I just basically means that I wasn't taking care of myself. I was taking care of everybody else, but I wasn't taking care of myself. Um, CFS was my body's way of saying enough is enough. All the symptoms I live with is my body's way of highlighting the fact that it is now completely out of balance. Um, Self-care has helped me figure out a lot of what was wrong with my previous lifestyle and I'm now slowly learning to correct it. If I hadn't have taken the time to look after myself, I would most likely still be lying in bed feeling quite sorry for myself, not realising where I was going wrong. CFS has made me take notice. Um, i just quite sorry that it had to get to this stage before I did take note. Um, for a long, long time, I solely blamed the dentist who botched up the root canal treatment um, because um, I explained in my bio that she didn't actually tell me she'd made a mistake. Um, it was seven months before I actually found out that she'd made a mistake from another dentist, um, by which point my body had been left to fight off the infection by itself while I was still running around like a headless chicken and I hadn't didn't realise this was all going on. Um, so it's believed that the infection and me not slowing down um, is what's caused my CFS. Um, but I've realised now I've had the time to reflect on... Um, my illness I can't completely blame the dentist yes she made a mistake she didn't own up to it um, it took a long while for me to find out about it um, but I also have to take some blame for it um, I could have been in better health to start with um, I naively believe that because I wasn't getting sick, as in pre-chronic fatigue, that I was healthy. <laughs> silly, silly girl. For a start, if I'd paid more attention to my diet and my water intake, or their lack of, um, I would have realised that I personally was consuming, not the kids, I was quite careful with what they had to eat and drink, as you do, 
Um, but what I was personally consuming had little to no nutritional value. For the most part, it was mainly sugar and crap. And drinking water, well, what the bloody hell was that? Um, I can't stress enough how important it is to have a good, balanced, nutritious diet and making sure you drink those pesky minimum number of glasses of water every day. Um, I didn't until one, I got sick. And two, um, I decided to educate myself and do a nutritional therapist's course. Um, what I discovered was that um, my body... I know now was undernourished. What I mean by this was I was deficient in essential vitamins and minerals and fatty acids needed for optimum, optimal health. Again, uh, over the years, my body had tried to tell me with little hints I would have constant bouts of anemia and be on iron tablets um, and think nothing of it you know doctor didn't seem to concern so he'd just give me some iron tablets and I'd take them for a few months and then it'd be fine and then a year or so down the line I'd need more iron tablets but again nobody seemed concerned so why should I be concerned carry on with my lifestyle um and then there was the the nausea the um and the upset tummies etc so there was little clues there had I not been too busy thinking of everybody else um, to pay attention and realise um, without enough um, of certain vitamins and minerals in your diet your body finds it hard to heal and fight off infections this is a fact um, this is where I played my part in my illness um, I have been working hard to correct this ever since um, Though, to be fair, sometimes, you know, I don't stick to this all brilliant diet of fresh fruit and salads and everything. Yes, I am still a sucker for a good gluten and dairy free chocolate muffin. You, I just, you know, sometimes you just need to have that little bit of naughtiness and you can have it. Um, it. A lot of people think that, you know, if you're on a diet, you have to give up everything that you enjoy. And and that's not necessarily the case. A good balanced diet means that you eat, you know, lots of variations of different foods. It's OK to have a chocolate muffin or a, a small chocolate bar as long as all the other healthy things are far right weighing that occasional treat you know you don't need to unless obviously you have cause to eliminate certain foods because you have a, a clear allergy or you have a food intolerance then clearly you need to stay away from these things that are causing you a problem it's not a good idea to carry on regardless even if you love cheese but you you know you you you're, you've got a dairy allergy or your dairy intolerant you wouldn't even dream or think of, of carrying on eating the cheese but to treat yourself to a muffin here and there is perfectly okay as part of a balanced 
and nutrition nutritional diet um yeah it's all about what i'm discovering is it's all about balance everything is about balance um self-care is so so important as part of that balance especially when your health is on the line ignoring all the ways your body uses to try and tell you to slow down rest relax um neglecting to maintain a good and balanced diet um can be catastrophic um i should know i didn't listen until it was too late and my very poor health forced me into it so in short self-care is important for your long-term health and well-being they say charity begins at home giving yourself some charity will massively help you stay healthy in the long term you are no good to anyone if you get sick so taking time out to look after yourself is going to do you only good it's not going to harm you it's not selfish you are simply looking after your own health and well-being and there's no shaming that i wish i'd realized this sooner um the obvious self-care things are watching what you eat and drink maintaining that balanced nutritious diet um maintaining some physical fitness and again for people with disabilities and chronic illnesses i know this can be very difficult but for the most part there are still things that you can try um i find yoga is still a bit too strenuous for me so there are things like um qigong which is really gentle movements and a very gentle form of exercise um you can give this a go obviously if you really can't then then you can't that's perfectly fine you know i have days where i physically just feel like i can't move i just can't get out of bed i just don't have the energy to to do these things but if you find that you do have a stage where you've got a little bit of energy just maybe have a look at um, Qigong, see whether you know you can, might be able to incorporate that just to give yourself a little bit of physical fitness. Um, looking after your mental well-being. Now this is very, very important, um, especially in today's day and age where we have relentless amounts of stress and pressure from everything in our lives. Um, and finally, um, but no less important, do not leave it until you get forced into it by your failing health. Prevention is always better than cure. Um, so below in my blog, I've listed um, some suggestions of ways that you can add self-care into your daily routine um just adding one thing in a day is a great place to start and you can see or you'll hear in a minute that they are surprisingly simple give yourself some love um can make all the difference 
you know, looking after yourself, putting yourself first makes all the difference to your health and well-being. Um, it helps you to maintain that all-important equilibrium. Um, the Mars chocolate bar ad campaign had quite a win winning formula for life. Um, their work, rest and play. So here's a little bit of a to-do list, if you like, of um, ideas or things that you can do just to add that little bit of self-care into your life. Um, now, this applies to all of us, not people that are, you know, not just people that are chronically ill, but everybody in general. I'm trying to raise awareness for people that are, you know, that have still got their good health. Um, that it is important that you you slow down once in a while, you take time out for yourself because in the long term, your body cannot sustain being on the go 24-7 for everybody else, everybody else's needs. Your body just won't be able to sustain it, sustain it and in the long term, your health will suffer. So giving yourself some self-care and some self-love can help safeguard your overall health and well-being in the long term so in the long term it benefits everybody else as well you're able to still be there uh, for all of your children take care of your house or whatever else it is that you know commitments you've got your work your jobs in order to be at your best you need to look after yourself first so some of the ideas of adding self-care into your life they are simple it is you know taking time out um to go and get a manicure or a pedicure now in today's day and age this includes boys as well boys boys and girls alike go and get your nails done you know it's a way just to take some time for yourself you know if you're able to reading a book or a magazine or people with chronic illnesses listening to a podcast or an audio book again it's taking just a bit of time out having a nice bath maybe with some candles and some calming music um taking a stroll again if you're able to or you know just sitting in your garden in a deck chair having getting some fresh air and listening to the birds tweeting and just you know looking at a flower um binge watching a box set without feeling guilty you know everybody's into netflix nowadays and there's so much variety go and binge watch something um taking a nap if you're able to you know there's no harm in just taking 15, 20 minutes, even just to have a power nap. Um, they recommend this if you're, you know, driving for long periods of time. They tell you to pull over and have a power nap before carrying on your journey. So, you know, it's a way of restoring a little bit of energy through through the day. Um, you know, just decide not to cook. Take a takeaway, have a takeaway. Or if you can, go out for a meal um try something in arts and crafts if you're arts and craftsy or doing a puzzle um watching something funny on youtube or watching a funny film because laughter 
is really good for your health. It's really good for your well-being. Having a really good giggle can really help lift your mood and make you feel better about what's going on in your life. Um, now, I've done this one, stargazing or laying on the floor, watching the clouds and seeing what funny shapes you can spot in the clouds and that. It, it is really therapeutic and it just connects you with the here and now and gets you off of your phone or, you know, gets you out of the rat race. It, it's something just to, you know, maybe even connect you back to your childhood. It's good to do things like that. Um, listening to your favourite music, having a dance if you can. Again, it's really uplifting. And, it you know, it gets those happy endorphins going and just makes things seem a bit easier even just for those moments you know a few minutes while you're listening to your favorite song it can make a massive difference to how you feel throughout the day learn to say no now this was always something that i struggled with massively um i always felt guilty if i said no to anyone or to anything i felt that i just you know I was always there to help everybody and I would feel guilty if somebody asked me to do something and I didn't feel that I wanted to or didn't feel that I was able to. I generally end up doing it anyway because I physically couldn't say no. And again, this isn't something that potentially is very good for you in the long term because you you can't always help everybody and do everything for everyone you know you are allowed to say no you you know if you know that you should be you know taking yourself off for a nap or whatever because you're already exhausted and somebody asks you to do something then you're not looking after your own well-being by taking up that extra load at work or taking on some you know an extra lot of responsibility in doing something again that is a part of being positively selfish um in the fact that you are looking after your own well-being and doing the things that are right for your health and your well-being there's no shaming saying no you are allowed to um taking a mental health day off of work again there's lots of shame about having to take time off work but if you're getting too stressed or things are getting on top of you there is no shame in taking a mental health day so that you can go and sit in your garden or read that book or watch something on youtube or just do something for yourself to restore and rebalance so that when you go back into work or take on that task that's really getting on top of you you're in a better um, frame of mind, um, in a better position to be able to just get on with it without it causing a massive, massive load of stress. Um, burning candles or diffusing essential oils, um, you know, smelling your favourite fragrances. Again, it's really uplifting for your mood um, and can really, really help you um refocus and not feel quite so stressed 
um, visiting a coffee shop or treating yourself to some new clothes if you can afford it. Um, certainly don't get yourself into debt over, you know, doing that one. Again, live within your means because, again, that causes a lot less stress. But if you, you can afford to, then obviously treating yourself occasionally. Um, I never used to do that. Anytime I went shopping, I'd pick something up for myself and think, oh, I really, really like that. Mm, but, oh, it's £10 and, oh, I can't I can't justify spending £10 on myself. And then walk further down the aisle and spend £25 worth of clothes on the kids or um, buying them a toy or something, something else. But I'd always see that whatever it was I wanted for myself, no, 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 I couldn't possibly do that. But you can, you are allowed to, again, don't feel selfish about treating yourself now and again. You know, the kids like to have a treat that, you know, it makes them happy. It's the same for you. It's going to make you happy. If it brings you a little bit of happiness, it's not going to do you any harm to treat yourself to something. Um, Maybe look at taking up a new hobby. Again, that might be some sort of physical fitness it doesn't have to be it can be just doing puzzles um or writing poetry or writing a book anything anything that inspires you um you can take that on again like i said mentioned before you know trying some yoga if you're able to do yoga or the qigong if you're really struggling but want to be a little bit more mobile then the qigong might be a much gentler way to start off just keeping some movement going if you're able to meditation really does help it helps with pain um it helps to calm your mind if you just constantly got these thoughts and worries and stress going on in your head um meditation can really be helpful for that and help you to gain some perspective over um areas of your life that you need to address the self-care identify identify your self-care um elements of your life um so yeah give that a go that again it isn't anything that's necessarily too strenuous you can start off um find the what they call the body scan meditation um it's a nice way because you can just lie there and listen to the guided meditation um, and the what I found with the body scan meditation was it helps you to be able to um, learn to channel your concentration. Um, starting off with that builds up your concentration level so that you're then able to do other forms of meditation where um, you can then concentrate on all that noise in your head all the worries and everything else and learning to slowly but surely um calm your mind so that you can tune out to all of those stress and worries that are constantly going around in your head um sing now i have a terrible singing voice so i i tend to only do this if there's limited number pe- numbers of people around but it's amazing how just sometimes singing at the top of your voice to your favourite song can be really uplifting for your well-being. Um, 
again along the exercise front maybe try a bit of swimming um i know for some people um with chronic illnesses again may find this difficult but on the other hand some people find that just laying and floating in water um can help ease the pain and tension throughout their body so even if you're not swimming you don't haven't necessarily got to swim the widths and lengths of the pool or whatever just you know being buoyant in water you know you can use a, a floaty for support it, it just it can be just a re something that's relaxing or just takes that pressure off and can help with pain um start um adding a to-do list so that rather than taking on too much all in one go you can break things down into much smaller tasks and this again is something that's really important for people that have got a chronic illness and develop a chronic illness because your life suddenly you can't go back to doing everything full throttle you can't get everything you used to do done in one day um so having a to-do list and very slowly if you're able to working your way through one task at a time it doesn't matter how much or how little you get done in one day the tasks on the list aren't going anywhere they'll still be there the next day the day after that the day after that the day after that um so you know work your way through the list slowly identify on the list whether there's actually things that you could delegate to other people that you live with you know if you have a partner there's no shame again in asking them to help you with things don't feel like you have to do it all yourself if you've got people in your life that you know are able-bodied or more able than you because you know they don't have a chronic illness or whatever else asking them to take on some of these tasks you know it, it's perfectly okay to do that um you know and nine nine times out of ten they're only too willing to help you with it you just have to ask um and that is actually very important make sure you do delegate um you know things if you are struggling ask for help you know it's important for your help your health and your well-being in the long term that you don't suffer in silence because again it has a massive impact on your health and your well-being um so ask for help get support you know don't take on too much all in one go um and don't feel bad about it it's perfectly okay it's a reasonable thing it's only going to help your health and your well-being in the long term um yeah i mean you know in the 19 years where i was rushing around i didn't even take time out to go and get my hair cut or anything you know so that can be a massive difference just taking yourself off to the hairdressers to go and get your hair cut and um you know putting on a bit of makeup uh, that didn't even enter my head for you know um it, it was just too busy with everybody else you know guys you know if you've got a beard or whatever 
go to a shop you know go go to somewhere where you can go and have a beard trimmed by somebody else for a change rather than you maintaining it yourself you know it's all about that just taking that little bit of time out just to sit and relax and have somebody do something else for you for a change um start a gratitude diary um one of the other things that we kind of neglect in this day and age because we're so busy and so focused on rushing around and doing everything and with all the suffering that's going on in the world and um, there always seems to be so much doom and gloom in the news and people harming each other. Um, we don't take time out to be grateful. You know, even people with chronic illnesses, we have terrible, terrible days and feel absolutely awful but there are still things that even people with chronic illnesses um can be grateful for you know at the end of the day we're still here we're still breathing and our life still even when it's bad still can be potentially a, a hell of a lot better than what somebody else is going through and you know i think having a gratitude diary helps you to be mindful of the fact that no matter how bad things get there will always be something to be grateful for there will always be something that will make you smile something to look back through a memory that you know just really really hammers home that you you do have a lot good going on in your life um even when you don't feel very well you know there's hope a gratitude diary really 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 helps for your mind to be mindful so give that a go it's you know you can buy gratitude diaries that um on amazon that you know will ask you questions and so then you just you know fill it fill it out which is one of the things that I've got because I don't have the concentration to try and think right what you know what am I supposed to be writing no um this isn't helping so the gratitude diary it asks you the questions and you are answer the questions um and it's amazing it really is really good you know um another self-care thing it could be that you make sure that you get in contact with an old friend that you haven't spoken to for a long while being able to reconnect with old friends write them a letter send them an email look them up on facebook maybe find out how their life's going again that could then put your life into perspective maybe give you things to be grateful for because maybe their life's not then you know not going so great or whatever um maybe they life is great for them and maybe then they can be a source of inspiration you know just reconnecting with people um people with chronic illnesses like chronic fatigue fibro um if you're you know really severely affected by an illness or a disability it can mean that you're quite socially challenged or for me, I also obviously stated earlier that um, I developed agoraphobia. So I've completely 
shied away from being sociable that didn't do any good for my mental health in any way shape or form um so this year i've made that one of my top priorities that um as part of my self-care i know i need to be communicating with other people um one of the other reasons why i'm doing the blog and now this podcast um because living in solitude and shutting yourself off from the world it makes you more depressed it um you know you draw yourself into yourself more and more and more and it, it really doesn't do your mental health any good at all um so this year i'm reconnecting with all of my friends and trying to be sociable and again um occasionally checking up on them just to make sure that they're okay um and you know trying to when i'm able to offer them a little bit of support if they're going through something bad again this is only if i feel able to um if i'm feeling well enough to be able to take on that responsibility or burden of um you know whatever's going on in a friend's life you know um again you know just because you are then getting back to being sociable or you know interacting with people doesn't mean you need to then start to feel obligated into um seeing them all the time you know if they start to ask you to go out to places you don't have to keep saying yes um you know if they're your really good friends obviously they know about your illness um so they know that you might have to cancel at the last minute or you might have to say no um you know it you don't have to be drawn back into that cycle of feeling just that you have to take on all of the things that being a good friend would mean you know you still do have to look after yourself and put what's right for you um first and foremost you know saying no is still perfectly acceptable um and shouldn't for the people that you know really care about you and know you this won't bother you bother them if you have to you know to say no if you have to cancel things they should be really understanding and anybody that isn't then i've come to learn that then they're not really worth bothering about you know if they're going to judge you or start getting cross and angry with you all the time then they're not doing you any good they're not the type of people that you want to keep associating yourself with because it's not going to do you you any good in the long term so sometimes picking and choosing who you decide that you're going to be social sociable with um is also you know quite important for your own self-care and um your health and well-being so um yeah that is basically everything that i wrote in my first blog um obviously i've gone off script a bit and added bits in (laughs) um for the audio version um but yeah looking after yourself 
and self-care is really really important please please don't leave it until your health has deteriorated to the point where you're then living with a long-term health condition Mm -hmm. um you know prevention is better than cure so look after yourself now you know start from today be positively selfish don't feel bad about it um learn to say no um and take care of you first because like i said earlier if you don't take care of yourself first you are no good to your loved ones in the long term or no good to your boss in the long term you know you first always anyway that's the importance of self-care i really hope that you've been able to stick with me for this last nearly 50 minutes um thanks for staying tuned and listening um i will be doing more blogs and i will translate them into podcasts for people that struggle to read blogs um i hope you like this and have found this a helpful way of being able to you know connect with me um my website is called um www.equilibriumnaturalwellbeing.com um you can follow me on social media on um instagram you can find me under the quest for equilibrium um yep follow me there um watch out for more podcasts watch out for more blogs um thank you for listening bye hi this is sonia from the quest for equilibrium I've recently finished writing my second blog titled My Life Living with Agoraphobia and just like before I've decided to do it in a podcast version for everybody that enjoys this format over written text. So here goes. Everyone is afraid of something. For me, I fear panic attacks and my ME symptoms. For those of you who are listening to this and have never had a panic attack, I'd like you to take a moment to think about the thing you fear the most. Is it spiders? Is it mice? Is it heights? Whatever it is, I'd like you to imagine that you're now face to face with your biggest fear. Your heart's racing, your hands are shaking and you might pass out. All you want to do is run away, but you can't because you're suddenly rooted to the spot. Now times these feelings by about 100 and you now have some idea of what it's like to have a panic attack. I feel like this every time I want to leave home to go out. Now I've suffered from anxiety and panic attacks on and off all my life, but never to the point where they'd stop me doing anything or living my life. Sometimes, yes, I found it quite difficult to get through everyday activities with anxiety and panic attacks, but I always managed to soldier through And for the most part, nobody ever realised I was suffering because I hid it so well. That was until I developed ME, also known as chronic fatigue syndrome, back in 2015. Suddenly, I'd lost control of my health and my life. Struggling with a never-ending list of unpredictable symptoms, 
never knowing how I was going to feel from one day to the next. This had a massive effect on not only my physical health, but also my mental health. I struggled with the unknowns of my illness. My anxiety and panic attacks came back with a vengeance, and in no time at all, I was having daily, sometimes hourly panic attacks, and constantly felt anxious. This soon affected my ability to go out. My ME symptoms flare more when I'm out, and the longer I'm out, the worse I often feel. So more and more, I felt I needed to be close to home. Then I started having panic attacks while I was out, and this, for me, was the final straw. My well got smaller and smaller. I've sometimes gone months without going anywhere because of a mixture of ME crashes and then losing confidence in my ability to be okay away from home. A home is where I feel safe. Even now, I haven't been more than two miles from my home in over two years. And even just doing these short distances, I have to have someone come with me. I just can't do it by myself. Most people don't think anything of popping to the corner shop or dropping the kids off at school. I certainly never used to. But now even these things feel like a complete nightmare. What used to be a normal part of my daily life now fills me with dread. The school drop-off, which is one of the very few places I still try to go to on a regular basis, to me is a minefield of loud noise, kids darting in all directions, crowds of mums and dads having a natter and friends wanting to stop and chat and say hello. I can't get out of the playground without having to get through the crowds of people. My ME symptoms always flare in the playground as I suffer from a lot of sensory, sensory issues and often feel disorientated and with all the noise and movement etc I can often feel dizzy and sick and this isn't helped much by visual disturbances, which make it seem like the ground is moving. Dealing with all of this is so overwhelming. I just want to get in and out as, and back home as quickly as possible. Sometimes I can stand and talk to some friends, but I still stand there thinking to myself, can we just leave now? I hide my despair behind a false smile while my brain is screaming, run away! My husband Darren is always with me. I literally can't leave home without him. He's my security blanket. He is my route to safety, which is home. Having him with me doesn't stop any anxiety or panic attacks from coming. I just know that he can get me home safely. Until recently, I kept my struggles with agoraphobia and dealing with my ME symptoms largely to myself. I felt so stupid for feeling the way I do and desperately wanted to avoid other people judging me the way I was already judging myself. I actually found that when I started opening up about it all, most people have been really understanding, and that's taken a massive weight off my shoulders. I didn't realise I was suffering from agoraphobia until I started therapy. I just thought it was anxiety related to having ME, and that was largely due to the fact that I thought agoraphobia was a fear of being in open spaces. I had no idea that it was actually a fear of being anywhere that you feel you can't easily escape from or get help easily if you're having a panic attack, among other things. A lot of people with agoraphobia also suffer from monophobia, which is a fear of being left home alone. I suffer from this phobia too, which makes life even more difficult because I constantly get caught between a rock and a hard place. I'm too afraid to go out. 
and I'm also afraid to stay at home alone. So if I don't feel brave enough to go somewhere, but hubby has to go and he has to take the kids, I'm going to freak out either way. I have to decide which one I feel less and try and get through that. So do I go out or do I risk staying home alone? If I really can't decide or really don't think I can cope, then I do what I call the who wants to be a millionaire cop out and I phone a friend. Agoraphobia doesn't only affect me. It's had a detrimental effect on my whole family. Myself, hubby and children used to go camping, holidays abroad, go to theme parks and enjoy lots and lots of days out. It's been years since we've enjoyed these things. I get quite upset thinking back on all the fun we used to have together and often feel tremendously guilty about the things we're all missing out on. All of our family live over a hundred miles away and due to their own health problems and family lives, me not being able to travel down to see them and them not being able to come up to visit us, we haven't actually seen my side of the family face to face in over two years. Thank goodness for FaceTime. Agoraphobia and chronic illness, but that's for another blog, rob you of your independence and confidence and turn something that should be enjoyable into a mental war zone. It is very isolating. I now Google everywhere I want to go and if it's too far from the car park, in a high traffic area, not near a toilet or likely to get crowded or if I have to go alone, I won't even consider going. It's so frustrating and I know it's completely irrational but I can't get my brain to believe I will be safe when I go out. It feels like my brain is permanently stuck in flight or fight mode, constantly on high alert. A silence alarm goes off in my head the minute I reach my front door. I sometimes imagine there's a guy sitting in my head at a control panel, like in the film Inside Out, that hits the panic button. A huge red sign starts flashing danger the second I think about going outside. I'm filled with an overwhelming feeling something bad is going to happen and I've no idea why. I've started cognitive behavioural therapy, or CBT for short, and I'm giving exposure therapy a go. Now, for you, those of you that don't know, exposure therapy involves a controlled programme of going out, building up the length of time you go out and the distance you travel until you feel your anxiety drop enough to move on to the next target. It is quite scary, I'm not going to lie, but as a popular book once pointed out, you have to feel the fear and do it anyway. I'm hoping over the rest of this year, I'm going to make some progress with retraining my brain to enjoy the outside world again and give the guy at the control panel a much needed long holiday. I so badly miss going out and having fun without fear. Memories of all the fun I used to have is giving me the motivation to keep moving forward. I know the only way out of agoraphobia is through it. I have survived 100% of everything that's happened to me so far. Even when I really struggle to cope, I make it through the day. I often forget these very important things, especially when I'm in the throes of a panic attack and feel like I'm never going to make it outside again. I hold on to hope. 
I'm going to do a part two to this blog later in the year to update everybody on my progress with the exposure therapy. In the meantime, if you're struggling with agoraphobia or know someone who's struggling with agoraphobia and you need some help and some advice, um, if you go to my website, which is www.equilibriumnaturalwellbeing.com, um, and actually go onto the blog right down the bottom you'll feel, find some links um, to helpful websites um, for instance the NHS agoraphobia page um, anxiety UK and headspace um, I've also um, recommended some apps that I've used that have um, got some good tools for calming you down when you do feel anxious um, they are called rooted Calm, Sam app, and Panic Shield. Also, if you go onto my website and you go to the resources section, I've actually uploaded the complete self-help guide um, for exposure therapy. Um, so you're able to print that out if you wish to, obviously, um, help yourself and give exposure therapy a go. It gives you all of the instructions you need to be able to um, give it a go. Yep, so that is this recording of my blog. Um, thanks for bearing with me. Um, I hope you're able to take something away from this and find the information on my website of it some use. Um, thank you for listening. Bye.